Hey, I'm Noble. Thanks for checking out the message today. I'm so thankful that you're here and we would love to connect with you. An easy way to do that is you can text River Connect one word to 97000. You can also go through our website and find out more about us and see what we have coming up. Lastly, if you'd like to give to the River Church, you can text an amount to 84321 or you can go to the giving tab at the top of the page. I just want to thank you for being with us today and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye now. So last week as I was, or or this week I guess, as I was listening to Pastor Ryan's uh, sermon from last week, one of the things that I loved that as he talked about the idea of reach, that kind of he kept coming back to was this idea of the heart, right? He kept, he kept talking about what was our heart behind things? Why were we doing things? You know, he was, he was saying, you know, hey, if you go to that learning to reach your world thing that happened yesterday, you know, are you doing that because it's just a new skill or because you really want to see people reached with the gospel, Or when you have opportunities to share the gospel, are you just doing it out of habit? Or are you doing it because you feel like that's maybe the thing that you should do? Or are you doing it because you genuinely want people to to be saved by the power of the gospel? And it was kind of the same idea. What's the heart? Where is your heart at? And specifically, how do you or how should you have a heart for the gospel? For reaching people according to the gospel? And as Paul writes in Philippians, he communicates to the church at Philippi. He says, my heart is for the gospel. And I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to see that the Lord is continuing to use me to reach people with the gospel. And he he writes to them to tell them that because his assumption is that they're discouraged because they're not seeing Paul reach people with the gospel. He says, no, 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 no. Actually, if you, if you were here, you would see that the Lord is using the opportunity that I have here to reach even more people with the gospel. And so Paul, as he writes Philippians, he has this assumption that their heart is to reach people. But as he continues to write to the Philippian church, He encourages them. He says, here's the thing. Your heart should and is to reach people with the gospel because that's what it should be. But there's another thing that you should have a heart for. And this is a little bit more difficult. It's a little more uh, stressful. It's a little bit more hard to do. It's not doesn't come naturally to you, but you have to keep your heart in check. You need to have a heart for this because it is essential to your walk with Christ and is essential as you look to share the gospel and as people come in and try and stop you. And in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 27, he, he writes and he begins this section on what they need to refocus their heart on. Follow along with me. Philippians 1, verses 27 and 28. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. 
and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Right? He looks and he says, here's the thing. If you want to share the gospel, if you want to reach people with the gospel, in order to do that, you have to live your lives according to the gospel. And how do you live your lives according to the gospel? Well, you have to be unified. You have to stand firm. You have to stand together. You have to gather. You have to be of one spirit, of one focus. You have to strive together for the sake of the gospel. He says, if you try and go this alone, if you try and do this alone, you will not end up living in the way in which you should. And the gospel will be less evident through you. And on top of that, as people oppose you, you will become discouraged if you try and go it on your own. You'll become defeated. You'll become disheartened. You'll become beaten down. There is, there is things in this world that are seeking to combat you and stop you from the gospel. And he says the solution, the way in which you deal with this, the way in which you combat this is to gather together. Because here's the thing. We gather together so that we can stand firm against that which opposes us. We gather together so that we can stand firm against that which opposes us. And you may look and you say, man, Justin, I hear over and over the, the talk of the gospel and the talk of salvation, right? And, and, and as I have salvation, isn't that victory? Of course, of course that is, right? We, we are sinners and we were living in death and we were defeated, right? And God loved us enough that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to go and to die on the cross, taking our sin, taking our death, and taking it to the grave. Paying the price for our sin, paying the price for the debt that we incurred. And then he rose again to life, showing that he had defeated sin, that he had defeated death, that he had conquered it, and that through him we can have life. That if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is risen from the dead and that he is Lord, that we can have that salvation. And you look and you say, well, okay, so if all these things are combating us and all these things are seeking to defeat us, don't we already have victory through Jesus Christ? On May 8th, 1945, the German army offered their surrender to the Allies. Right? The war was essentially over. Yes, the Japanese were fighting, but essentially the war in Europe was over. And people rejoiced. But here's the thing. The fighting continued. Not a lot of people know that, but actually a week after, there was multiple battles that happened in the week after the surrender had already been issued. Because of miscommunications, because people didn't get their orders, because people didn't believe it. They thought it was from spies. And actually, all the way from May all the way to September, September was when the last post finally issued their surrender and came home. 
You think about it. There was this huge span of time, right, where the war was over, where peace was supposed to be happening, yet battles still continued. You see, the war is over, right? We have victory in the salvation, in the work of Jesus Christ, but our enemy still continues to fight. Our enemy still continues to seek our demise. Yes, they know they've lost, but they seek to take as many with them as they can. And thus, we must stand together. And you may look and you say, well then, who is our enemy, right? Justin, you keep talking about this enemy. You keep talking about this, this thing that's fighting us. What is it? Well, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is still writing. He's writing to, to the church at Ephesus, to the Ephesian church. And he is, he's letting them know what they need to be on the lookout for. He says, as you're kind of standing together, here's what you should be standing together, or standing together against. And he says, you, you're trying to focus on people, right? You think it's this person and that person, and you're just seeking to tear down person after person after person that has differing views than you. He says, no, 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 no. It's actually much different. He says this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against The schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He says, our enemy is Satan. Our enemy is his minions. The battle that is, that is waging, that we are waging against, is spiritual. It's not physical. He says, you should be gathering together in the strength of the Lord's might so that you're not fighting, you know, some person. You're not fighting the Romans. You're not fighting whoever it is, Pontius Pilate. You're not fighting all these different people. You're fighting against the spiritual war that is going on. And that spiritual war is still raging now. Maybe you didn't know that. I'd encourage you to not get scared over that. Right? There, is, there should not be a fear that wells up in you, but a seriousness. Your faith, the salvation that you have, the walk that you walk, the obedience that you look to have towards Christ... There is a battle trying to keep you from that. There is a battle that's going on against truth. And and that's just our enemy, Satan. Right? Elsewhere in Scripture, it talks about our enemy being our own fallen nature. Right? How our, it talks about our flesh, but it has less to do with bone and marrow and more to do with our sinful desires, who we used to be before we were saved. Right? And how our flesh or our, our sinful nature seeks to keep us in the process of sin. 
seeks to keep us away from obedience to God, away from godliness and all that that means, away from sharing the gospel, away from growing, away from other believers, and pull us into isolation and shame. Or our enemy is the world. Not the world in and of people, right? We should be seeking to save people according to the gospel, but the world in and of its ideas and mentality, right? This is, this is a, a, a desire to keep us focused on that which is fading. Keep us focused on comfort and on the things of this world that aren't of any eternal value and offer nothing close to that which we have in our eternal salvation. You see, we have enemies on all sides. We have enemies seeking to keep us from obedience to God, keep us from the promises that he gives us. And thus, we need to stand together. And we do that by gathering with our fellow believers. So then you may look and say, well, okay, Justin, like, I'm still struggling with those things. I feel like those things are winning in my life. Man, I feel like over and over I'm just getting stabbed in the back over and over and over. And I'm showing up faithful to church on Sunday morning." I'm in the building as soon as it opens and I'm the last one to leave. How? You're talking about these things and and I see them in scripture, right? This is truth. How does it happen? Ephesians 6, 13, right? Paul continues, he, he, he elaborates. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Right? There's this language, once again, to stand firm. To stand firm against that which is seeking to overtake us. And I encourage you, if you haven't read that section on the, the armor of God, uh, I'm not going to read it this morning, but I encourage you to read that and to kind of make that your motto. To equip to be equipped by those things. And you may look and you say, Justin, this seems very counter to what you're talking about, right? You've been talking about gathering together. You've been talking about being united. This seems like a very individual thing, right? Put on your armor and stand firm. Well, we don't really have armor the same way that they did in Paul's time. And if we did, we would probably understand a little bit more of what he's talking about. You see, he's talking about a soldier's armor, like serious armor, like plate mail and scale mail, right? All this different stuff. And if you don't know me, I'm a very like fantasy nerd, so I kind of like see these things very clearly. But if you don't know, like armor was not something you just like threw on like a hoodie, right? It was a very intricate process, even so much that a lot of times if you were put in armor, you would spend days in your armor because it would take you that long to get it on and off. And the thing was, you could not put on your armor by yourself. It was just too difficult. 
And so you would have, you'd have brothers in arms where you guys would help armor each other. Or there would be people there who would be helping armor you and get your armor on so that you could be ready for battle or ready for whatever duty you had in the war camp. And so as he writes this, the very understanding of putting this armor on is it's a communal thing. You should be helping your brothers and sisters put on their armor as they help you to put on your armor. You you see a little bit more of what I'm talking about? And so Paul, he's writing to help them understand there are specific things that you as people should be gathering together to do with intentionality. Why? So that when opposition comes, when discouragement comes, when you start to get disheartened, you can armor each other and then stand firm together against that which seeks to destroy. Jump back to Philippians chapter 2. Here in Philippians chapter 2, Paul, he he actually elaborates on the way in which this happens. He says, okay, so you understand that you need to fight and stand firm against this thing. Now you understand the way in which it happens or, or what your enemy is so that you can fight it. And now that you see that you should be equipping one another and wearing these things, how do you equip one another? says this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only Uh, Look, not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And you may look and you're like, well, that seems kind of weird. Right? Like, why do we need to do that in like a room where I show up and listen, listen to a guy on a stage? Like, why, why does Paul need to tell me to focus on other people's interests? I don't even know their interests. Right? I, I come into this room and I sit and I listen to this guy talk and maybe he hypes me up or gets me encouraged and I go home and read my Bible. And like, what does that have to do with the people around me? Gathering together is more than just showing up to a building. Gathering together is more than just an hour on Sunday. If you look at Paul's encouragement here or his challenge to us here and you look and you say one of two things. You either say, man, that's really easy, right? Like, I don't even really know these people. I can say that I focus on their interests more than myself. Or you look and you say, man, I don't really want to do that at all. I'm good. I'll stay on my own. I'm a lone wolf. There's a problem. You should start to see that there's a problem that maybe that your mindset needs to shift. 
And so the question becomes, how do you start to love the people around you? One of the great things that I love about Gather Sunday or whenever we do name tags is because the very first part of getting to know someone is their name. Maybe take like 10 minutes. You, maybe you usually like rush out of here and get home. Maybe take 10 minutes and learn a couple names that you didn't know. Or maybe of the names that you do know, maybe ask somebody, hey, what are you dealing with this week? What are you interested in? What does it look like to know the interests of other people? If Paul is saying put everyone else's interests over your own, maybe you need to know some more people's interests. And that's more than just like football or the Lions, right? It means knowing the ways in which they're maybe struggling. Maybe some stuff that's going on in their family that they're wrestling with. They need some prayer or some encouragement with. Maybe knowing some instances in their job where maybe an enemy is enclosing on them and they're starting to get discouraged and beaten down and weathered. Maybe it's getting involved in a growth community. Yeah, I talked about growth communities. We're going to talk about that next week. But part of growth community is community. A gathering together in a community. Maybe you need to, to get involved with some people so that they can encourage you and help you put on some of the armor that you need to wear. Man, when I talk to people in churches, a lot of times I just hear this, this, this common theme of discouragement or just weariness and being weathered. And that's not at all what I see Paul encouraging us to be. He says, be strong, be standing firm, be like strong soldiers wearing thick armor together. And I can't help but look and think that that happens because we like to stay in our own seats, our own little clumps. I got my people and that's all I need. Man, we need each other. We need to gather together. We need to be of one mind and one accord. And we need to be counting others more significant than ourselves. We need to stop focusing on our selfish ambitions and focus on others. And as others are not focusing on their selfish ambitions, they will focus on us. And we can be united through something much, much stronger than our own efforts. But it takes living out obedience. And we got a a lot of enemies trying to stop us. So one of the things that I do every every time I preach is I'm like a a very objective focused person. I need like almost like a checklist or I just don't get anything done. And so I I like to challenge y'all in the same way that that I need to be challenged. So I got, I got two things I want to challenge you this week to do. First thing, who will you encourage to stand firm this week? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Who will you encourage to stand firm this week? And if it's your spouse, maybe pick someone else. You should already be doing that. 
And if you don't know anyone else, then your objective needs to be to find someone who needs encouragement or that you can encourage. The second thing is, how will you be encouraged to stand firm this week? And maybe that's being known by someone. Maybe that's getting involved in a growth community. Maybe that's talking to a gathering host. Maybe that's maybe asking for prayer. That's not something that we should be ashamed of. That's something that we should be proud of. That we have brothers and sisters who will pray for us. And I'll be around if you have questions. If you have questions about the gospel. If you have questions about what it means to gather together. I would love to talk to you. But here's the thing. I can't be all of your persons. Ryan can't be all of your persons. That's meant to solely encourage. As much as I know he wants to be. That's why we need each other. That's why it takes unity. And that's why we gather together. To stand firm united under Christ.